All right, my friend, here we go. We have another user submitted question from the community. Yes. Well, I uh, believe that this is a universal topic as they usually are. Mm -hmm. um, this is from Ben Jacob, and he wrote on a YouTube episode a while ago. Enjoyed the episode. You know, said some nice things about the show. Thank you, Beck. We were, I think I just said Ben when I started. Sorry, it's Beck Jacob. Uh, thank you, Beck. Yeah. We appreciate that. Okay, so here he says, I do have a question. I don't know if it's worth a full episode, et cetera, et cetera. I think a lot of garage gym athletes and more casual fitness enthusiasts dramatically underestimate the value in planning a thoughtful warm-up and cool-down for their workouts. I think many people, I include myself in this category, always default to the Globo Gym warm-up. Maybe some static stretching, ride the stationary bike, or hit the treadmill for 5 to 10 minutes, then throw caution to the wind and try to lifetime PR your back squat, <laughs> deadlift, bench press, or whatever. <laughs> First of all, I love the brutal honesty of that. At 51 years old, I've developed a new appreciation in the last two or three years for appropriate warm-ups and cool-downs. Can you discuss the thought process and how to properly structure a warm-up and cool-down for a particular workout, maybe using DT as an example? So, fantastic, fantastic question. And I think anyone who says they haven't done what Beck said there, which is, you know, quick little something and just go for broke, is, is probably oh, lying. Yeah, I, I uh, just this week had a uh, workout that was a no warm up <laughs> special, just right into it. And I, first of all, I will say I think that there are, is a time and a place where hey, you just write in. You either don't have the time or the movements are generous enough that uh, it's going to be okay. In my instance, the workout started with a pretty significant row. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll use that to kind of ramp up. Mm -hmm. However, you shouldn't use that as the default. That's one of those kind of break glass in case of emergency. And uh, the, the other option isn't really available to you. Um, but when you can, yeah, I think Beck is correct. You should pay attention to it and spend some time there. And I think there's a sweet spot. Uh, with like with many things, because if you don't do it at all, you're going to miss out on some really easy, low hanging benefits. And if you spend too much time on it, it can really start to erode the effectiveness of the session overall. So you mm -hmm. got to kind of pick your pick your sweet spot there. Um, and so I think we can talk about how to get there. Yeah, and I've got some real world examples too. I think a lot of it, in general, it's a good idea. There's my caveat yeah. statement. And then how yep. much you need to spend on it can also be workout dependent and individual Absolutely. athlete dependent. There are some workouts that, yes, if I'm pressed for time and I've been doing this long enough, I know I can get away with an abbreviated warm-up or using the first round as a warm-up, depending upon the workout. And there are other workouts that even if I'm short on time, I know I can't rush into it or I'm playing with fire. You know, one of them would be his example of, it's a five by five back squat. I'm sorry, I can't rush into a five by five back squat if the workout mm -hmm. of the day was something like three rounds for time of a 400 meter run and three rounds of Cindy. Like three, I I can I can make my way casually through the first 400 and the first three rounds of Cindy, shaking it off, and then press the gas in the last two, and still get a pretty darn good workout. Like I can get away with that, but just. That's come from figuring stuff out, but we're going to give some good general examples of 
And, and I think his example of using DT as kind of a, a benchmark for this will be will serve us well. And before I, yeah. I, I give it over to you, I'll, I'll have to say it's early in the morning. Sorry, I'm going to be sipping some coffee if anybody hears that uh, that annoying sound. And I personally think that warming up and cooling down might be really high in the list of potentially one of the topics that is more unnecessarily made to be overly complicated than it should be. Absolutely. Oh, <laughs> there are so many gimmicks and bells and whistles that tend to get attached to these type of things that, you know, fine, cool, if that's your thing. But uh, I think a lot of times it can be a distraction from the main Let's course. Let's just get so, ready so to, to do the darn workout. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I'll take it one step further, Pat, and say that, you know, not only is it okay every once in a while to uh, just dive right into something without a warm-up, maybe not every day, maybe not all the time, but but once in a while. I also think it's a pretty good indicator of how your program is going overall. And what I mean by that is when I am really dialed in and I'm doing the things that I'm supposed to be on a regular basis, meaning I'm getting enough full range of motion work in, I'm working with an appropriate volume over day to day, I'm getting enough sleep, my nutrition is on point, the need for my warm-up goes down dramatically. Um, I feel ready to go much faster than when I'm going through periods of time where many of those factors aren't in alignment. And one of the things that I think uh, a lot of CrossFitters fall victim to is the volume trap. The more volume you do, the easier it is to uh, kind of stop recovering as effectively or kind of get behind in that regard, which means the next session is going to feel like you got to get out of first gear a little bit longer mm -hmm. um, and it can compound on itself. And so I find it can be a pretty interesting diagnostic to just stop and think, all right, on a regular basis, how much time do I need to warm up? And if the answer is more and more and more and more, <laughs> I start to look at some of the other factors around uh -huh. that and say, okay, hold on. Is this just because I'm starting to get a little bit older? I, I don't buy that. I don't think that can just be the bedrock default. Um, you got to start looking at some other factors and, and ask yourself, okay, is the co cohesive nature of the program serving itself? And that would be my nightmare if, if more and more time every day was needed to warm up. That would be my personal right. nightmare because I hate warming up. I despise <laughs> it. I, I just want to get the workout done and get on with the rest of the day. Now, don't yeah. misread that statement. Even though I don't enjoy it, I do it. And I do it sure. overwhelmingly religiously. And I put a lot of time, thought, and effort into what the warm-ups should be for the workout, specifically because... I've been horrifically mean to my body over the course of my life with motorcycle wrecks in the military. And like, I, I've, I've, I've got to do some stuff. So the warm has yeah. become by default something which garners a lot of my time, thought and attention, but it doesn't mean that I enjoy it. But, um, so I think hopefully we can shed some good light on people here and maybe we can talk general aspects of why you might want to warm up some specific yep. generalities to think of. And then at the end, we can potentially give an example of, Hey, for DT, Based upon these general points that we said, here is one of many, many, many warm-ups that could serve you well. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it was interesting this morning, I dug out one of the old journal articles called A Better Warm-Up. And yes. uh, Greg, Greg wrote it way back in 2003, I think. And it's kind of funny because it has the comparison of yeah, some static stretching and 15 minutes on a stationary bike. <laughs> like mm -hmm. that's, that's the standard kind of yeah. Globo gym warm up. 
um, versus what he was starting to call the CrossFit warm-up at that point, which, you know, in his words, was way more effective for developing skill, for elevating the respiration rate, for elevating your heart rate, for getting you neurologically primed for more intensity, Mm -hmm. uh, all of these types of things that you're going to lack if you just like eh, hop on a machine and go for 10 minutes. Um, It's not going to be quite as effective. So uh, I would highly recommend somebody go back and read that. But in in my opinion, I think you can kind of further divide into two pieces. You got like a general stage of your warm up and then a more specific phase. And, and maybe I'll pause there and kind of hear your thoughts, um, and then I can dive into those. Yes. Yeah, so first of all, agreed. I think an, an oversimplification of what the warm-up is, you're just preparing your mind as well as your body to do the workout, whatever yes. that workout happens to be. That's an oversimplification. I also think you can drive yourself batty uh, because you might find a whole bunch of studies that contradict one another to different values of does cooling down actually do anything? This verse type of stretching versus the other. And so, again, you can drive yourself crazy. I personally am a big fan of taking those for what they're worth. You are your own little laboratory doing a lot of experimentation. And then it should become, over the course of days, weeks, or months, readily apparent what works well for you, your clients, and your members to truly get them ready and then, and then learn from that sort of procedure right there, that sort of empirical evidence. Yes, and also, like you said, the general warm-up versus the specific warm-up, that'll be a very classic thing that if you look into the topic of warming up, you will find as well. And and separating into two things like that could treat you and your clients fantastic. I will, after I pass it back to you, I'll let you know that I have found over the years, I've really kind of enjoyed combining the two into some sort of a hybrid where I don't do like, okay, the general warmth is over, everybody, and now we're shifting yeah. into the specific warmth. I've, I've found some ways to, to blend them together that I maybe am biased, but I personally think are maybe a bit more efficient on time, uh, a little bit more fun and engaging, and do a great job of accomplishing both tasks at the same time. Yeah, I agree. I don't think there needs to be a hard delineation between those two things. I guess uh, what I would say is that the factors from both Mm-hmm. ends of that need to be represented Just and cover so your factors, bases yeah exactly so the the general warm-up factors that you want to try to cover would be to elevate your core temperature a little bit you know get get the blood pumping um, get your respiration rate up express the major joints of the body through a full range of motion um, and and excite the nervous system i think that's one that um, people kind of look at with an unsophisticated eye, I'll say, you know, the warm-up should not be one of two things. It should not be just a, an easy, breezy kind of ride on the bike. That's what you would do to cool down. That's mm-hmm. going to, you know, kind of keep things in a static state. It's not going to excite you for further intensity and further kind of open the, the system up. Um, and on the other hand, you shouldn't be exhausted after the warm-up either. You shouldn't, <laughs> right. you shouldn't be exposed to so <laughs> right. much volume that you're like, oh, my goodness. Okay, the warm-up is done. Now I got to work out. And I'll say in the early days, I was so guilty of just wrecking people with warmups. I, I remember in the early days coaching at San Francisco CrossFit and some of my personal training clients. Oh my goodness, the warm up was just 
way too extended and way too much. Well, there were those old <laughs> CrossFit shirts. It sounds like you lived the message, which was our warm up is your workout. Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, learn from my mistakes back in those days. That's not the right approach. You should be able to take stock of somebody after their warm up and they should be alert, maybe a little bit out of breath. But generally speaking, they should have the body language and the appearance of like, this person is ready to go. This person is not fatigued and looking to go home. <laughs> They're drinking a cool down shake, grabbing their bag yeah, and walking out exactly. of the gym. Like, whoa, whoa, that was just the warm up, everybody. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. So then on the specific end of things, what you want to do is start to introduce the skills that are going to be, you know, present in the workout. You mm -hmm. want to prime those patterns. You want to prime those movements. Um, and you want to try to refine as many technical deficiencies as you can before you start getting exposed to intensity. I think that's one of those things that's totally overlooked in a lot of warm-up uh, uh, stages is, hey, this is the time to really iron it out and get your movement flawless because it's not going to get better once you start adding fatigue, time pressure, and intensity. Yep, nope, for sure. And if people are wondering for some general guidelines as well, you know, to cover those factors that you just said, Again, this is not hardcore, but 10 to 15 minutes. I don't think you should be yeah. warming up. You know, I think that's a good general ballpark kind of feel. Um, and we can just discuss the cooling down at the end. And it's funny, when I find that my warm-up has gone longer than 10 to 15 minutes, if I'm very honest with myself, I've done a tremendous amount of dilly-dallying. You know, whereas... <laughs> yeah. And get lost in my thoughts, or I pulled out my phone for some reason. I'm like, geez, the warmth was long today. And my wife will walk in and the warmth will take her nine minutes. And I'm like, oh, right. I was just totally just, I saw something in the garage that needed to get cleaned up. I walked over there. So again, but in general, a good 10 to 15 minutes will get you, uh, get you feeling good. And, yep. you know, that connecting the mind and the body and firing up the central nervous system, a good warm up. Maybe you don't even realize that that's happened. And a great example of that is a long time ago when we had Stefan Roche on the show for like a collegiate strength and conditioning coach. And he was saying that, you know, that's happened when you walk into the garage stone cold in the morning, you grab the 45 pound barbell out of the rack and it feels so heavy and awkward. And then by the end of the warm-up, you're, you're yeah. whipping around a 45-pound barbell. Nothing about the weight of the barbell changed, but you have woken up your body, your mind, the connection yeah. between the two, your central nervous system. And that's a great indication that what I'm doing is working and I'm getting ready to actually prepare myself for whatever the workout of the day happens to be. Yep, yep, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I, I think um, kind of another interesting topic when it comes to warming up is, you know, kind of... Crafting a unique warm-up every day versus having something that's tried and true. And I think both can be very effective. And mm -hmm. I also recommend commonly to people that don't like to warm up that have a hard time with it. More often than not, if you just have something that is consistent and you don't have to think about it, it's not another thing that you have to uh, try to problem solve every time you go to the gym or, or wherever you're working out. Uh, sometimes that can erode the barrier to doing it. And for years, again, I think the old classic CrossFit warm-up that was described in the article I mentioned was a great staple. And it was basically do some Samson stretches and do some basic gymnastics movements for a couple of rounds 
and then you're good to go. And so it was really that simple. Samson stretches, do some uh, back extensions on the GHD, uh, mm-hmm. do some air squats, do some push-ups, do some pull-ups, all at low intensity, all at numbers that aren't going to you know, break the bank. A couple of rounds of that. And like you said, it kind of fits that 10 to 15 minutes. you got some basic skill progression. All the major body parts are moving through a full range of motion and the nervous system is starting to open up. So something like that to have in the back pocket when you're not really feeling, okay, I got a super specific thing that I need to be doing for this muscle up workout. I don't know what to do. Forget it. Just have something that is constant that you can just pull out and run with. That can right. be a great strategy. And well, I got a couple of things that popped in my head. Now I'm going to, I'm going to write something down here. Let's see. Okay. The first thing is, I also want people to know that these are general guidelines, right? And if you deviate from them a little bit, you're okay. So for example, it generally speaking for a general warmup, passing your joints through a full range of motion is something that you would very much like to include. However, you might not pass every joint in your body through a full range of motion and still do a wonderfully appropriate warmup. Maybe the workout of the day is a seven by one shoulder press. I may not need to go below parallel to get really warm and beautifully ready for a seven by one shoulder press. So we're giving you good general guidelines that you can apply to most things that you do. That's number one. Number two, you touched on, uh, you know, having to maybe create a different warm up every single solitary day. And every time a five by five back squat comes up, <laughs> it's a new and revolutionary different way to warm up, which, hey, if, again, if, as we always say, right, if that's your thing and you love it, and it keeps you fired up great. But we're also, uh, generally speaking, not a big fan of, of novelty just for the sake of novelty. So what I would say is, if you find a way that works so well to get your midline and posterior chain and everything warmed up for a back squat, and it works like a champ, stick with that. And when the back squat comes up again, go to it. I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, you know, and that kind yeah. of thing. And then the other thing I would say is sometimes it can be just as simple as do the thing. So for example, if you're going to get ready to go below parallel, you can get crazy whatever you want, or you just go below parallel, you know, and if you're going to, you know what musculature you want to prepare for doing muscle ups is the exact musculature if you did a muscle up. Now, what I mean by that is Maybe you're not ready to, you're like, I don't know what to do. Uh, it's a dynamic movement. I can't just chip up in the rings and start doing it. I'm probably going to tear something. Fine. Uh, what you could do, if you had no other clue, is with a set of low rings that are like at ring dip height, with your feet on the ground, mm-hmm. grab the rings and with a tremendous amount of leg assist, so it's like 50% lower body, 50% upper body, gently start moving through that exact range of motion that the muscle up's going to be. And so it's not overly taxing on these cold muscles of the upper body, but then you know what muscles you're using and waking up are exactly the same muscles you're going to use in the muscle because you're doing the thing. And so all of these things, you know, you can make it as complicated as you want, um, but when you step back and just think about what are we gonna do in the workout? And I wanna replicate that, you know, intelligently and gradually build in the warmth so that I don't jump into something too quickly, too much intensity, too much loading, too much whatever. And then, you know, generally speaking, you'll be good to go. 
Yeah, I love that. And I think you're right on the money there with doing the thing is Do often. The thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, and it, it's funny because I think a lot of people kind of throw that one out there because it's, quote, too simple or, sure. you know, it doesn't have enough, um, I don't know, bells and whistles attached to it. Uh, and I think that's brings up a good point around warm-ups and cool-downs both. I believe that there's a lot of magical thinking that goes on with those two phases of your, your training. You know, people can fall into this belief of like, well, if I just unlocked the perfect warm-up, everything else would be amazing. My technique mm-hmm. would be totally resolved forever. I would PR absolutely. I would feel incredible. It's like, that's a lot to put on the lowly warm-up here. Yeah, he can help to benefit those things, surely, but there's no, uh, you know, there's no utopia, as they say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you got to be careful about how much you put into that. Uh, cool down, I think, gets the brunt of that a lot sometimes too. People, oh, oh sure. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be sore if only I had spent a little bit more time cooling down. Okay, <laughs> go on believing that. Right. But I'm here to tell you that's probably not the thing that's, uh, that made you sore. Um, Should we touch on a DT warm-up and then move to cool down? Or how do you want to do it? Uh, I, I've got one more thing to talk oh, about kind yeah, of generally, please. and then, yeah. and then let's go into the DT. Um, you know, one thing uh, to kind of piggyback off of your do the skill, do the thing, uh, warm up. Um, I, I used to do what I call the progressive warm up very regularly. And the base of it was Greg's old CrossFit warm up. And what I would do is just pick, uh, like a squat an overhead movement, and then some sort of pull from the floor, like a deadlift or, or whatever. And each round would get progressively just a little bit more technical. And so, for example, I'd start with like a big lunge stretch or the Samson stretch is a great place. Uh, And then round one would be like air squats, deadlifts with a PVC, Mm -hmm. strict press with a PVC. Back to the static uh, Samson stretch. Round two would be a front squat. So increasing the demand a little bit, increasing uh, positional awareness. Again, just with the PVC. Uh, then the press, or I'm sorry, the deadlift would move to like a power clean or even just a high pull. Mm-hmm. And then the overhead lift would move from a press to a push press. Reset again with a static stretch. And the third round would be the most technical. So maybe I'd move to an overhead squat, a snatch, and then maybe a push jerk. And so not only am I starting to get some reps in on all sorts of different techniques, I'm really getting warm because those are demanding. Um, you know, even if the workout isn't going to feature some of those movements specifically, I'm getting some reps in, I'm getting those movements, uh, just kind of drilled in over and over and over again, that's going to pay off in dividends later when those movements do come up. So that was always kind of a fun approach that I would take was this, this idea of like a progressive warm up, And you can do that with a, a ton of different movements where you start at the base of the skill and you go through a couple of rounds and you make it a little bit more complex every time you see it. So that's that's one way that I, I like to approach my warm-up. Yes, and a good point in that is that you you could do movements in the warm-up that you're not even going to see in the workout, yep. and that could still be... You know, I think I've said this before. When in doubt, hit the Bergner warm-up. Oh, I yeah. mean, you're going to pull from the ground. You're going to open your hips. You're going to go overhead. You're going to pass below parallel. You're going to engage your backside, your midline, your your mind-body connection is going to be there. Your heart rate's going to be elevated. I mean, almost, you could use the burden of warmth and be ready to do a huge variety of, of workouts. And so some of these things have a lot of transference, and that's, and that's most, certainly, yeah. most certainly a good thing. 
Um, yeah, well, if you want, I can roll through my little DT warp if you think if you think yeah, we're there. I, I think we are, and I think it's actually okay. you know kind of a nice segue because that that's that's my approach to DT. So you 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 take it away, and I'll okay. bring up the rear here. So for anybody who's unfamiliar, DT classic named CrossFit here workout. It's five rounds for time of twelve deadlifts. So we're pulling from the ground. Nine hang power cleans, which are just simply awful, and then six push jerks. <laughs> And that's 155 for the men and 105 for the women is the prescribed loading. So you got a good loading on the bars for those movements, mm-hmm. that rep range and five rounds and all that stuff. And so we'd like to be ready to pull from the ground. We'd like to be ready to open our hips. We'd like the backside all warmed up. We're going to go overhead. And so uh, when DTs come up recently, this a workout that I've done, excuse me, a warmth that I've done several times, I've done three rounds, not for time right? I mean, so you just, it's just three rounds of one minute of running, biking, or rowing, your choice, just one minute of some sort of that activity. And then what I say is increase your pace each round. So you're going to go row, bike, or run just a little bit harder in round two than you did in round one. Again, you're not trying to set a world record. You're just gently ramping yourself up. So three rounds, not for time, one minute of running, biking, or rowing, 10 steps of walking lunges, five hip and back extensions, five shoulder pass-throughs with a PVC pipe, one to two Turkish get-ups with the right arm, mm. one to two with the left arm, because it gets nice overhead, open the shoulders, get your mind and body connected there as well. And I'm actually I'm a big fan of doing some unilateral stuff like that as well. And then a little kind of complex at the end. This is just with an empty barbell seven deadlifts into six hang power cleans into five push press you know very exactly what you're going to do in dt but we're doing it with an empty barbell so again it's three rounds of one minute of running biking or rowing going to increase that pace each round 10 steps of walking lunges five hip and back extensions five shoulder pass-throughs a couple turkish get-ups with the right couple with the left at a just a, a, a gentle loading we're not trying to go crazy and then some deads, some hang power cleans, and some push press just with an empty barbell. And you're just making your way through that. So that's the three round that's going to get me from pulling from the ground to opening the hips to going overhead, et cetera, et cetera. I'm a huge fan of anyone who's heard the show before has probably heard me say this, of the hip and back extension. It's it's so great to warm up your midline, your low back. It gets your glutes, hamstrings Mm -hmm. just turned on immediately. It's fantastic. And then usually what I'll say after something like that is like, look, if you don't have a GHD, you know, no worries. You could do uh, hip extensions with a band. You could do some good mornings with an empty barbell. And then after that, that nice three rounder that you've made your way through, right? The most you've touched is an empty barbell. Maybe you're ready to slap 155 on and go. Personally, I am not. So after, <laughs> so after that warm-up right there, which I would say is a blending of general and specific warm-ups, then what I would tell people is, look, after that warm-up, feel free to gradually build up the loading and do a couple practice rounds if you like. So what you could do after that is maybe you load the bar for the gentleman to 95 pounds and you do 
you know, five deads, four hang power cleans, three push jerks. And you drop the bar, you shake it out for a bit, you walk around, you know, you rest a minute or so, depending upon who you are. Maybe it goes to 115 or 135, whatever it is. And then, and then you slap 155 on, you know, whether you took two steps to get there or three steps to get there, whatever makes sense for you and where you are in your athletic journey. And then when 155 feels good, you're, you're ready to go. Yeah. And I think you and I took pretty similar approaches there. I, I had a, a similar kind of blended approach to the skill and general warm up. Um, also had the, uh, the minute of your choice of, you know, bike, mm. run, row, uh, a little bit of a different approach though. So I, first of all, I would pick a bank of two to three kind of big stretches that target, uh, an area for you that maybe isn't so great. Mm-hmm. So the, my favorites are, uh, again, the Samson stretch, I think is a great one. Um, the old below parallel with the hands on the inside of the knees, just letting the bottom of the squat stretch out. I know there's no squats specifically in DT, but trust me, that position is going to be invaluable for a workout that has this much volume on the barbell. Um, and then an overhead stretch. Uh, it could be as simple as just some uh, alternating arm swings overhead. Or one of my favorites is just to uh, get a box kneel in front of the box with your arms straight on the box and just try to get your chest a little closer to the ground that can help open up that uh, overhead position so once you have those kind of stretches that are nice for you in your back pocket the workout is as follows one minute on your choice bike run uh, row just like you had pat nice easy pace grab your open barbell and the first round you're going to get 10 to 15 nice smooth reps of the deadlift that's it then hit one of your stretches of choice for a minute or two back on the bike for the second round second round again a minute then it's uh the hang clean we'll do 10 to 15 reps of that with the open barbell hit a stretch of your choice back to the bike the third time i'm saying bike but again could Mm -hmm. be bike row run uh and you guessed it when you see the bar the third time you're going to warm up your overhead lift so that's your push press or your push jerk 10 to 15 reps of that, hit your last stretch, take a few seconds to rest. So, you know, we're looking at about 10 minutes of effort so far. The next couple minutes, just like you had, is going to be a ramp up uh, to the working weight. And so the approach that I had was a three, two, one. So you're going to load the bar to an opening weight that's easy. You can still be really technical with it. Should feel smooth. You're going to do three deads, two hand cleans, one overhead lift. Mm-hmm. rest a little bit and keep making those jumps until you get to the point that you're ready to go. And I like that sort of uh, kind of ramp up with something that's similar to the workout in this context, because it's going to give you a lot of information either as a solo athlete or as a coach. If you get to the point that that three, two, one feels really difficult, the weight might not be appropriate to use for the whole workout. Amen to that. Yes. <laughs> and so it's a pretty good little litmus that if you put 155 on the bar and you're like, okay, this complex of three, two, one feels impossible. Mm-hmm. That's not the weight to be using for the day. And conversely, if you're like, yep, three, two, one was like no brainer, whatever, big deal. Okay, cool. You're probably at a place that you're ready to start. So I think somehow. Approach. I think somehow, and yes, exactly. And, and truth be told, if we had four more people on screen, we'd get four other 
ways to warm for DT, you know, and at the end yeah. of the day, does it work well for you? Do you cover your bases? Mission accomplished. Yeah. And, and I bet the, you there'd be a lot of overlap. Oh, yes. More, yes. more similar than different, I would, Agreed. I would bet. You know, I can't believe that we didn't mention this till now, but what you just said sparked it to me is all the other things of why you do a warm up. You know, one of the biggest ones is to listen to your body, to, yep. to assess yourself. You're doing this self-assessment the entire time to lead you to, is it going to be an as prescribed day or is it going to be a modified in some sort of a way day? There can be little signals there are, well, not that there can be, your body will be giving you signals during that warmth that you're like, yep, we are ready to go. Feeling good, weight's appropriate, let's hit it. Or we've all had that little voice that says, hmm, that's feeling a little bit different today. That's feeling a little heavy or, well, that's an, that's a curious sensation in my shoulder. I wonder what that's all about. And then you're going to be forced with a difficult decision to lower the weight, maybe because your shoulder feels a little bit different. And maybe you've no, never lowered the weight on DT before. And all other things feel pretty darn good. Hang cleans are just zinging right along. But the press just feels a little bit different. Hey, do what you want to do. I would highly encourage you to put the ego aside. And if your body's giving you those signals, modify it in one way, shape, or form, live to fight another day. Um, yep. But pay attention to your body during the warmth. That's, that's a big part of it as well. I completely agree. And, you know, we talked, uh, I don't think it's released yet. We had a really great episode about um, scaling and how to scale and how to approach uh, things. Sure. And, and uh, I think that sometimes people miss the boat when they are capable of doing RX. Uh, it, just to your point, if it's not happening that day for whatever reason, that doesn't mean that the workout cannot be effective. It just means that you need to means be smart about what you pick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, why bother? You might as well just go back inside. Uh, no, the the name of the game is how do you cater it and still get the best effect out of it. Mm -hmm. um, there's again, there's no magic in the numbers that happen to be on the paper at that time. That's just a good guidepost to give you a good sense of what should be happening in this workout, what the basics are. Um, and so, yeah, the DT thing, I, I, I'm always shocked at how many times people have this aversion to setting up two barbells. Why not have two barbells for, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the deadlift and the clean, that's probably going to be something most people can tolerate at a pretty heavier load. And the overhead position, if it's not happening, have a second bar set up for that at a reduced weight. Trust me, you're not going to be shortchanged you're by that. You're going to be fine. You're absolutely. going to be fine. You're gonna just do whatever's appropriately challenging for you. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll actually give you another one that uh, I did recently. And this is a little off topic. But I'd warmed up. I was ready to go. The workout was supposed to be 10 calories on the row, 10 wall balls with a 30-pound wall ball. Mm -hmm. And my idea was that each one of those efforts back and forth, you know, it should be a no brainer that I could do 10 sets of 10 of each of those without a lot of rest and um, with an unbroken sets. I thought that that wasn't going to be a big deal. I got halfway through that workout and that was, it was not the day. It was not the day for that. I could tell that as I was approaching the later rounds, I was going to be taking some big breaks. I was going to talk myself into breaking up the set of wall ball. Mm -hmm. And so I said, you know what? No, what's going to be more effective, I'm going to cut the wall balls in half. And my brain tried to convince me, oh, five wall balls, why even bother? Why but even bother? 
Yeah, but I talked myself back into it by saying, hey, what I'm working on today is taking no break between each set and everything has to be unbroken. And if that can't be achieved, I've missed the mark. And so I need to modify to be able to do that. And sure enough, you know, I modified it and I was able to hop right off the rower, hit those wall balls right back on the rower. Everything was done aggressively with good intent. And I wasn't sitting there feeling sorry for myself, well, until after the workout. But uh, <laughs> but the point being is that it was a much better effect than if I would have tried to grit it out and be a tough guy about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it would have been a lot of me taking more time than was needed to get the thing done. And the effect yep. would have suffered for that. So For anyways. sure, yeah. Don't, don't, don't fall in love with the plan. Yeah. Uh, the cool down. Ah, the old cool down, yes. Sound good? So... Yeah. You know, again, depending upon time or whatnot, but you could say general, in general, five to 15 minutes as well. I always say this, you know, it depends yeah. upon life and uh, what else you have going on. Uh, don't get me wrong. The main course is the workout. You know, so if I have to bias the time that I have available to something, it's going to be for me personally, probably to the warm up that I need to do, hitting the workout that I need to hit. And then with the time remaining, I will do what I can do for a cool down. So there's, there's my ideal situation and there's my real situation every now and then. The ideal situation is I've got ample time and I never have to shortchange the cool down, but that's what I'll say five to 15 minutes. And this is another one where you can go crazy with, you know, study A versus study B. So blah, blah, blah. If you want to go down that rabbit hole, uh, feel free. But in, in general, if you wanted to say things that a lot of people kind of agree about, it would be a cool down, you know, that's done at a casual or moderate pace. It's not a high intensity effort. That's for mm-hmm. darn sure. You're just allowing your body to come back down to homeostasis, which is just, you know, a state of balance in your body again, you know, because ideally you didn't go from zero to a hundred doing the workout and you're not looking to go from a hundred to zero very abruptly after the workout. And depending upon what you're doing as well, you might set yourself up for, you might still be sore but you might be able to set yourself up for not feeling like an absolute actual truck hit you and <laughs> i've i've experienced this on maybe i did something very intensive for the lower body you know a lot of squatting a lot of whatever it happens to be and if life demands that i just walk out the gym and do nothing um experiences told me that i'll feel that a lot more compared to had i pedal the bike for 10 minutes and then every now and then, you know, to help kind of flush some stuff out of my body and then hopped off the bike every now and then during that casual pedaling, done some gentle air squats or some gentle mm-hmm. lunging, hopped back on for some nice pedaling, hopped back off for some easy air squats. Again, not a workout, just moving my body. I can tell you after a lot of years that I, when I allow myself to do that, I generally feel better than when I have to blow that sort of activity off. And in the cool down is also where I will uh, focus on static stretches as well. Yeah, I I agree. And, and, uh, you know, speaking a little bit more broadly about the cool down, I think there's two big things to hit. And you mentioned them both. You know, that's return your respiration rate and your heart rate back down to normal. Um, And it's kind of a weird caveat, but like that will happen if you do nothing. (laughs) However, you can kind of ease the process. And to your point, you can start to kind of flush the system, so to speak, a little bit, um, which could be helpful. And then the second thing is to restore range of motion. And, 
you know, sometimes people hear that and they say, yeah, but I was using full range of motion through the workout. Like, okay, that may be true, but chances are you were using movements where there's going to be some primary musculature involved and then some muscles that aren't as involved that didn't get that same treatment. And oftentimes, you know, with fatigue, with the volume you've accumulated, that range of motion is going to be less than what it was when you started. And so to your point, I think some gentle basics after you've done some of that kind of, you know, easy, steady state work is exactly the ticket. Uh, It's going to help to restore that range of motion, you know, back to what it was uh, when you're getting into that kind of optimal warm up area, Um, Mm -hmm. because it is going to, uh, it's not going to remain the same as, as you're putting your body through the physical, you know, demands of the workout. So those are the two big ones, return, heart rate and respiration rate, and try to restore your range of motion. Those are, those are the two keys. And again, after you've been doing this for a while, you'll also know your own body as well. Because I can tell you, almost regardless of the workout, what I need to do to feel good is I need to stretch my hip flexors. I just, mm-hmm. I've got tight hip flexors based upon some injuries that I've had. I probably always will. And I can undoubtedly tell the difference between life force me to just do the workout and go do something else how I feel the next day versus almost regardless of what the workout is. I did a couple minutes per hip flexor. I just, my low back feels better. I know feel noticeably better. So you'll get to know yourself um, in your own strike zone, if you will, after a while of doing this. And I'll give you a real life example because there's the ideal textbook life and then there's (laughs) real life that just doesn't care. So yesterday, the workout of the day that I had to do was it's a named workout. Not actually, it's not super popular, but people might not know. It's Christine. There's three oh, wow. rounds. That's a good one. Yeah, three rounds for time. I might get the refs messed up. Three rounds for time of a 500 meter row, 12 deadlifts at body weight, and 21 box jumps with a 20 mm-hmm. inch box. Just, I mean, posterior chain followed by posterior chain followed by posterior chain and some pulling as well, and it'll light you up. And I didn't have a ton of time. It's not an overly long workout, but I didn't have a ton of time. So my warm-up for that yesterday, because I, I don't know, if the day got away from me, I had to leave at a certain point to get my daughter from daycare. I looked at the clock and I was like, yikes, I got to go now. This is not going to be ideal. And my warm-up was dragged out the box, dragged out the rower. I put 135 on the barbell. Again, I know that for me, that's fine. You know, I weigh 185, I going to get there eventually. And it's not reckless or negligent for me to start deadlifting 135 cold. And I just did uh, 30 seconds on the rower, five deadlifts, five box step-ups. That was round one. Round two, 30 seconds of rowing, but faster. Five deadlifts still at 135. Mm-hmm. Again, another five box step-ups. Round three, rode even faster, slapped 185 in the bar, did five deadlifts to feel that, did five box jumps. And then I said, that's it. That's what I got for time. You know, it took me less than five minutes. I got, I got to go. And I hit Christine and I felt warmed up to be quite honest with you. Felt, I felt just fine and uh, set a lifetime PR by a few seconds. Nice. Yeah, Yeah. it's great. But here's the rub. I had to go from that to immediately run into my truck and, and go drive 
to get uh, my daughter. So all <laughs> of that posterior chain work, it was just cement. When I uh, when I when I get out of the truck to like walk to the daycare place, I was like, oh no, I knew it. I'm, it's not ideal. I wish that wasn't how it happened, but it's just that's how yesterday was. That's not normal. That's not my ideal. But hey, I you know one of our goals in the show is not to not to lie to you. You know, real life mm-hmm. can be messy every now and then. I chose to get in a workout with an abbreviated time. And um, I got no regrets. I'm a little tight today, but I'm okay. Yeah, and you still reap the benefit of that. And you, you get the, uh, the little nice little uh, reminder that you can still pull out a PR every once yeah, in a yeah. while. I mean, that's, that's really great. Um, I, yeah, wish, I, <laughs> I wish that I had cooled down and stretched I, because, I, yeah. it, again, it's, it's just such a workout with so much interference on the backside. But, hey, what are you going to do? Well, and hey, I, I guess as a nice counterpoint, that kind of illuminates the idea on the other end of why it's important to kind of restore range of motion. If you can, if you could choose a movement that's going to uh, kind of fix range of motion, sitting in your truck is probably mm-hmm. up there mm-hmm. on the list. And so to go from, you know, Mach 10 into just fixed in position for however long yes. you were, you know, that that's probably the best illustration of, of not restoring range of motion. So yep. no surprise that you're <laughs> feeling that one a little bit. 100% agreed. Well, yeah. uh, I think that's, I, I think it's about all I got for warming yeah, up and cooling too. down in DT. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I hope that served the, the question very well. As we always say, I'm, I'd love to hear in the comments, what, is there, what are everybody's thoughts on warming up, cooling down, what works well, general, specific, do you do a hybrid, all that kind of a good stuff. Uh, thanks to everybody for listening on all the associated podcast platforms, but we'd I'd love for you to head over to the BTWB YouTube channel, find this episode, and post your thoughts and comments there because we read those and they drive content for future shows. And then as always, if you want to help support the show, we've got a ton of cool cycles that we think people will find very beneficial. You can find the link to that in the show notes. But if you're listening in audio format, it's going to have to use your memory here, programs.btwb.com slash vnr stuff for body weight on ramp body weight movements getting your first strict pull up first bar muscle up a lot of first there's some barbell capacity things there as well that we hope serve you well and as always for adrian bosman i'm pat sherwood and we'll talk next time